Hi, I'm David Pogue. Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your digital home for the RVing lifestyle. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com for additional information about each episode. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator, ready to do episode 200, 200 of the RV Navigator podcast. And this is Martha, the co-pilot, adding that once again, we are broadcasting from our at-home studio after about four months away. A long time. We've sat down to do this over 200 times, starting in 2006. Can you believe that? No, I cannot. We started this on a whim, and it has become an icon in the RV industry. But before we start celebrating, <laughs> celebrating. Oh, we're going to be we celebrating. We should talk about a few of the usual oh, yes. mundane details. I oh, think yes. when we spoke to you last month, we were boohooing the fact that we were uh, watching our TV through the window of our slide oh, because we right. could not get the slide out. I haven't thought about slides in a long time. And we are happy to report that our wallets are much thinner, but we got the slide <laughs> repaired. <sighs> it took a full day. We had to take it over to the repair facility. One of the really nice things about living in our facility in Florida is is that there is a repair place that is within a block so that we can get stuff repaired. And we haven't had the problems with uh, uh, getting appointments. We got the the motor, which was... uh, $760, and then we made the appointment to have our local shop put the motor in, and they did that, and it took about a day, and that cost us $960. Merry Christmas to to you. you. Merry (laughs) Christmas to us. Hopefully the slide, our big slide, is now in good shape. Um, It was amazing that when they took it off and I looked at it, and the bolts had just been ripped right out of the casing of the... Which does make me very nervous about our remaining large Well, I don't know whether they just weakened over time. I mean, our motorhome is now 10 years old, and so it could have been... You're going to find that out as we go through the podcast, exactly when we bought it, as we go through the chronological order of our podcast. But now that we're done complaining about the slide, we can complain (laughs) about about the drive home from Florida to Illinois. Oh, Oh my God. It usually takes us two days, and according to Google Maps... In the car. In the car. We left the home in Florida. According to Google Maps, it should take 16 hours, or just a little bit more than that. Um, And and that's, uh, you know, putting the pedal to the metal and expecting... Uh, there would be little traffic, but as Instead, you would expect, both days took closer to 12 hours. Each. One of the things that was frustrating about this is that we tried very hard to plan. We kept an eye on the weather. We tried yeah, to leave well before the holiday not, not traffic was going to kick right. in. We tried to come home. Be- Atlanta is always awful, and it was even more awful. We got stuck south of Atlanta on a hour a parking lot experience uh, on the expressway which well, put us into Atlanta during rush hour and then we left Atlanta and there was a huge but it accident. it wasn't just Atlanta. Blah, it was blah, Nashville, blah, blah. Chattanooga. 
So we just are kind of uh, thinking I, about maybe flying in the future. And I checked my my trip journal blog entry from the last time we had done a similar trip in the car, and uh, we ran into a little holiday traffic or at mm-hmm. Christmas time on the way back south, but nothing like what we just experienced. So we don't know why it happened, if it was just not our day. There are many things oh. that go wrong these days that you can blame on COVID, but I don't think that we are not excited about driving back to Florida. Which, but we got to do it. Right after Christmas, uh, our next episode will be made in Florida as we get ready to depart on a cruise. In uh, the usual New Year's Eve way that you have come to expect. Ah, we're going to have champagne for two episodes in a row. Oh, boy. We'll be totally... <laughs> Totally out of it for two episodes. Uh, our listeners seem to enjoy the uh, when we're not in our right minds. Of the podcast, <laughs> of the, of the champagne after our New Year's Eve one. So we're celebrating again today with podcast number two hundred, episode two. Quite a, an accomplishment, I think, isn't it? Well, you wanted to talk about the fact that we spent um, Thanksgiving with family, some of whom live half an hour from us, but we haven't seen in two years. Two years. Uh, Thank you, pandemic. We were afraid to get together with the kids, yeah. As we look ahead to the new year um, and all the travel plans we have made, we are wondering if that has been premature as well. As we are speaking to you, we are hearing more and more about a new version of the virus that has come out of South Africa virulent and contagious and the vaccines don't seem to work as well with it and we're wondering what this means so for after blowing off 2020 future. and 2021 was a decent year uh, we did get in a fair amount of travel and RVing and that was all, all those sorts of good things but what will 2022 bring to us more updates next month because this is not the end of the year podcast no, this it's is not. December so it's time to celebrate. It is. As we've been saying, this is our time. We asked you guys for suggestions <laughs> on things we could do or talk about. You were uh, not very forthcoming, no, so this is what this we month. this is what we can come up with for ourselves. So we thought we would start by re-listening to the very first introduction to the RV Navigator podcast that we made in 2006 to see what we sounded like then and if we've improved any and well, what we had promised you sound has improved back in the day. This first uh, podcast, the introduction, uh, what we had to say was okay, but boy, the quality of the sound is terrible. And we talked so, too fast. And we, well... What's no? I think we talked fast. Anyway, uh, we're going to insert that into here. We're going to listen to it uh, while you're listening to it. And we will see uh, if we have fulfilled our uh, podcast goals over the next 15 years. 15 years we've been doing this. Anyway, here is the introductory podcast. Hi, I'm Ken, one of your RV navigators. And I'm Martha, the co-pilot for this travel adventure. The RV navigator is your constant companion as you travel down the road, down the road in your RV and your RV lifestyle. We are about uh, half-timers in terms of the RV lifestyle, and we want to share some of our experiences with you. We're not only half-timers, we're long-timers, because we've been doing camping of one sort or another for over 30 years. We started as youngsters in in a blue tent. 
And then on to the green conversion van called a surveyor. And then when that rusted through, we moved on to a box trailer. Indeed, it rusted and through. And now we're enjoying our most luxurious digs yet, a 32-foot fifth wheel uh, with three slide-outs, which a, gives us lots of room for living. But those were our kind of our, our vacation type of RVs. And now we're living the RV lifestyle, traveling down the road on a, on a much more permanent basis. We travel about, as I said, about six months out of the year, and we are anxious to share some of our experiences with you, our fellow companions. We've just retired, and so we have more than more time than ever to um, do this sort of traveling. And when we are camping, we very much enjoy meeting other people and sharing their adventures and getting their good ideas for places to go and things to do. And we're hoping that doing this podcast will help us to broaden our conversation to include people from all over, anybody who's listening. Yes, a podcast. And this podcast is designed to be put into your stereo system as you travel down the road, listening to us just as you might listen to a audio book. Wouldn't it be nice to have some companions and friends who are sharing your experiences right in your audio speakers? So think of us as your good friends who are sitting across the picnic table from you. Some days we might want to complain about how the roads are or how we're getting too, we're paying too much for our gas. Other days we might want to rave about a beautiful mountain view we've just seen or a boat experience that we just had as we've been traveling down the road. And we want to hear your experiences and get questions from you so that we can do some sharing and growing on both sides. And I'm a bit of a techie, so although Martha will be sharing with you some of the uh, softer sides of RVing, I'm going to look at the hardware and the software and take a look at the technical side, uh, internet connections and uh, TV and how you're making your connections into the, into the systems that are in the RV parks. She talks about camping, but is this really camping? Hmm, another topic for discussion but we'll get to that just as soon as the podcast start so we, when you listen to this download the first podcast and we'll get you started on the road and remember we want to be your friends and we want to be your companions so send us some emails so that we can include you in the next show well that was an interesting listen sorry for the bad quality and sorry for the background noise uh, that's the only copy of that that i have so we will have to go with it as it is I was very surprised how prescient we were in terms of what we planned to do. Our roles and what we planned to do. And frankly, 15 years later, we're still doing it. We're still part-time full-timers. We are still in the techie business. We're still doing the blog. You are. We are still doing the podcast. 200 episodes later, once a month, every month. When we made this podcast, I was about a year out of my working life, and I remember at that time, every time you made a move, you had to write a mission statement, so I feel like this was our mission statement, and we have fulfilled it pretty well, and hopefully we'll continue to. Have we got 15 years left in us? I hope so. (laughs) We'll see. As I listened to it, I I had to think about what doing the podcast has meant to me. Certainly in 2006, when we started the podcast, I barely knew what a podcast was. After Ken explained it to me, uh, the concept was pretty clear, but I didn't know anyone who else who knew what a podcast was. I didn't know anyone who listened to podcasts. And quite frankly, when we started doing it, I felt like I was doing it because I had to 
be a good teammate to my partner, yeah, but I wondered know. if well, anybody was listening to it or what the point of it all was. We had been retired a year at that point and had done a lot of traveling, and all of a sudden I had to stop every month <laughs> <laughs> and share my great thoughts with you, which, what? quite frankly, I sometimes resented. But, really? Well, because it was like, why are we doing this? No one's listening to this. No one's ever going to listen to this. That was the way I felt. Really? Be because nobody listened to podcasts. Ladies then. and gentlemen, she never articulated this to me. So I want to. We probably be... wouldn't be doing it anymore. <laughs> she said those so I want to be very clear that you really get all the credit. This ah. was your idea. That was your mission statement. And, and but we've been a good team. And we have. And, and, and you certainly have participated fully in the process, and I assume that you had had a good time doing it. I do these days, but initially I, I didn't have the vision that you uh -huh. had about all of this. Uh, so I want to give you the credit where, where credit is due. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also struggled a lot with our identity. I'm a much more linear person than you are, uh -huh. and so when we said we were going to talk about RVing, we weren't RVing all the time. Sometimes we were on a cruise or in Africa or whatever else. But we, we take the RV Navigator podcast with us. I was quite The magic of technology. I was quite pleased to see that our listeners, as our audience grew and grew, were quite happy to go along with us on the ride as we detoured from here to there. And that we were even able to talk about RVing topics that you found interesting when we were just sitting around at home or yeah, yeah. sitting around in Florida or wherever we were. Well, we have a perspective to share with our listeners and topics and, and interesting issues that need to be shared. Something else I wanted to mention is that editing has certainly taken the pressure off. I felt a lot of <laughs> pressure, I guess editing. is the best word, for speaking fluently, for not umming and ahhing, and that when you said something that I would immediately say something back to you that would flow properly, uh -huh. and I'm very glad that and I know our listeners are glad that you take the time to edit this after the fact. In the last year or so, we made a few videos for YouTube, and all of a sudden, the editing was much more cumbersome, and I felt that pressure all over again that yes. we had to be fluent and flow properly uh, right from the bat, even though we never really rehearse anything. Don't worry, RV Navigator listeners. These podcasts that we made for YouTube were not uh, about RVing. RVing. They were about uh, cruising. But if you'd like to see them, you can go to our website and uh, you can click on and see us in action. It's really warmed my heart and motivated me to see how listeners respond to our relationship. Yes. I didn't realize that that was special. <laughs> I thought everybody acts like this after being married for 50 uh, years. No. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I really like being on a team with you. I like doing things together. Yes. Uh, we are very different in a number of ways, some of which you've already pointed out. It's nice to find something that we can work on together. And I was really surprised the other day when you said to me you couldn't imagine doing the podcast without me because it seems to me like yeah. you you supply all the content and I just ask the stupid questions. <laughs> well, it takes somebody to do that. <laughs> and we just laugh through it. Okay. So since we've been on the road for so many years now, um, all the friends and acquaintances that we had that live around where we live or people that we worked with that we enjoyed the company of have kind of dwindled away. I, this is only natural. I'm not at all 
sad about that because people kind of forget who you are when they don't see you for years. Yes. But what has happened to us, and it's just been amazing to me, is all the friends that we have accumulated as a result of this podcast. So I feel like wherever I go in the world now, especially in the United States, but even overseas, that every so often I'm going to run into somebody who is a listener, who knows a whole lot more about me than I know about them. <laughs> oh, yes. And it's really been a blessing and a wonderful thing. And once I got over my initial shock of having people knock on the door, who knew a lot about me when I knew nothing about them, it's, yes. it's really been great. So listeners, when we say that we want to meet you if you're at a campground near, near us, us, that's very heartfelt and sincere. Indeed. Yes, uh, that goes double for me. And because uh, we like traveling so much, if our health and our bodies hold up, we do indeed plan to keep doing this for another 200 episodes. If you keep listening. Um, well, that is motivating. <laughs> and I will also continue to keep uh, blogging on my trip journal, as you heard me say a few minutes ago when I was wondering if we'd ever gone through such bad traffic before. I could look it up in my trip journal, and it's turned into a real good memory booster for me of all the places we've been and all the things that we've done. So I really recommend to you, not necessarily my trip journal, there are many ways that you can keep records. Uh, I also really like my trip journal because it's given me an outlet to share my pictures and occasionally a video because you take all these pictures and you think, well, what am I going to do with all these? So it's been a nice way to share our travels that way. So as you mentioned last month, you have over 50 separate journals in my trip journal. So if you hear us talking about a trip that yes. you think you might like to take... You'd want to know our exact itinerary, where we stayed. You can go on mytripjournal.com slash Wiseman and look up that trip, and you can see exactly how many days it took us. Yes. You can see the route that we took. There's a map. And get a feel for your own planning when you try to go in a similar place. So I hope it's helpful to you as well. So Martha is very prolific and posts every day when we're on the road. Just about. So you get a really uh, first-person, detailed description of the itinerary and her impressions. It's a very impressive site and very useful if you are doing something, like you're going to hear about us uh, going to lots of different places, and you have heard over the 200 episodes, but we don't talk specifically about the campground that we're staying in and the weather and the specifics of the roads and that type of thing in the podcast. But if you want to know those things, that's completely visible to you if you go to the My Trip Journal slash Wiseman website. This is something we, we pay to have that hosted for us, and Martha has done a great job of uh, posting, and she <laughs> often criticizes me for keeping her from doing the posts because we have other activities, and I say, come on, let's go and do something, and she says, no, I have to get my, my, my trip journal posts. Um, whether we're cruising, whether we are in the RV, it's all right there. And if your brain works like mine, it works far better if you make notes or a log or a journal or however you want to do it immediately that day. Because if your life is as fun as ours has been, the next day you have new experiences and they knock those old ones right out of your mind. And so. many times we've had to go back and refer to where we were on this day and where we stayed and what it was like. So it's well worth it. We enjoy listening to the podcasts again, but they are not as detailed as the My Trip Journal. Both have their place. You, you heard me refer to some of the new friends that we have made as a result of the RV Navigator podcast. Uh, we want to single out a 
few of them who have become <laughs> good friends that we have continued to travel with, which is the kinds of friends we really love to have. Uh, Jeff and Ellen were... Tracked our, us down. We're podcast fans, number one. I remember how shocked I was when she knocked on our door. In the dark. And you can listen to Jeff and Ellen if you look at our Alaska podcast series. And they they helped all, we us. also interviewed them uh, when they first arrived. And they helped us um, do double podcasts during yes. that time, so that helped us to get to 200. And they've also allowed us to share their anniversary with them. We <laughs> traveled in Australia together. Al and Sue are special friends because yes. they are in Australia. We were just stunned when we heard that people in Australia yes. were listening to us. Yeah, that was have, one of our first experiences of international listeners, of which we've had several since. But They looked us up when we were there. They've come over to the United States, and we rendezvoused with them here. We went back and visited them again. We have plans to get together, but of course that darn COVID is stopping all of that, at least for the moment. Wally and Wendy uh, were listeners who we lucked into because we did camp right, right next, next to, to them, them in uh, Tucson. Uh, unexpectedly in Tucson, and then we traveled with them to the Galapagos, which was uh, an exciting experience. Doug and Sally live uh, in TGO in Florida with us, and I think they bought there because they were listeners, and they bought a big giant house and uh, have enjoyed the RV lifestyle, and we have traveled with them a couple times. And we also want to remember Keith and Eileen, uh, very good friends from the great outdoors who were there before we were and welcomed us there. Welcomed us there with open arms. Planned to travel with us, which was also canceled by COVID, and we have lost them both in the last year. So we value their friendship. We're glad we got to know them, and we miss them terribly. So we will uh, remember them for this episode and kind of dedicate it to the memory of Eileen and Keith. So uh, now we have to mention some brand new friends who recently bought a lot right next to us at indeed. the Great Outdoors. And we are about to share a bottle of champagne, which they donated to the 200th. They heard we were doing the 200th episode and said, you got to have champagne. And they donated a nice, what looks to me like much a very, better than much, we better than we, yeah, much better than we will have uh, on the new year. But for this episode, we have got a bottle of champagne, which we're about to pour here so it's nice and chilled and ooh. we thank rich and kathy and we wanted to warn you that we're going to go downhill from here <laughs> speak for yourself and i'm looking at a picture as i'm pouring of us from in our rv navigator notes from 2006 it's such a nice small picture we look just the same <laughs> No, I've looked at this picture big, and I think we do look the same. And I still fit into the suit that I'm wearing. And I wear the dress every time we go on a cruise. So what's changed? Nothing. Just uh, 15 years. So So let's clink our glasses. Okay. Oh, that was not very tuneful. Ooh. We are using real glass instead of plastic like we usually use at New Year's. Oh, yes, at home we have glass glasses. Yes, pretty ones. Mmm, mm, delish. Okay, podcast over. <laughs> so, I thought I would spend a minute and tell you how podcasts are made. 
how we make this podcast. In case you would like to make your own podcast. Um, These days, everybody has a podcast. I started this podcast and I knew nothing about this technology or how it worked. But through a little bit of effort and a little bit of software, uh, I have overcome. Um, if you've listened to this for a while, you know that I've had my struggles. Um, I do, <laughs> from time to time, have uh, a few glitches. But overall, we have been able to post all 200 episodes, and they are available to you mostly. So there are a couple missing. Which Still? I think oh, so. Oh, I thought we found them all now. Hmm. Well, we found all the ones we were looking for, um, but I think there are a couple still missing. So when you want to make a podcast, you will first of all, and podcasting has really become popular, oh, so there might be them. some of our listeners who are interested in doing this. First of all, I make notes for every episode. You can't tell, but he does. <laughs> we try to be linear in our approach to what we talk about. But, but some of us I, are more linear than others. Like right now, we are still, still on the first page of the notes. <laughs> But who knows whether we'll make it to page two. Have some more shampoo. But I try to gather topics and things. So you have to have something to talk about. Um, I don't know if our podcast is super focused. Has anybody ever commented about that? No. No. But we consider cruising to be part of RVing. Yeah, yeah. And all the technology stuff you Okay, so then we're going to sit down and record. Now, I record on whatever old computer I happen to have available. And right now we're recording on a laptop. Um with a couple of microphones. And over the years, I have uh, standardized on <laughs> our Yeti microphone, but unfortunately, it is in Florida. So if this episode sounds a little bit different... It may not be the champagne. It may be the microphones, because we didn't have our standard microphone here. Uh, today, we're using little lavaliers. But these don't cost much. The, the Yeti microphone cost about $100. And it is a nice studio microphone. And it provides, uh, I think, pretty good sound overall. We try to record in a place that doesn't have a lot of ambience and that doesn't have a lot of uh, echoes and, and environmental acoustics. Many of the people I listen to who podcast record in closets, we haven't gotten quite that extreme. Well, it has to be the two of us, and yeah. of course we have to have plenty of room, room to for the champagne. champagne. So what software do you use? I use GarageBand, which comes free with the Macintosh. Um, it's primarily for doing music for you know musicians, but it works great for podcasting too, and it allows for easy editing. Uh, we're not using headphones; we're using just microphones. I just plug them directly into the computer. I don't use a mixer. I don't have uh, any uh, monitoring devices other than the speakers on the computer, and. So there's a very minimal investment. If you have a laptop for 40 or $50, you can buy yourself microphones. Now, these are not, uh, I, I'm not doing music stuff, so that's a, a whole different situation if you want to include music. We have done some Zoom type of uh, interviews, and that's worked out pretty well, too. But basically, we record live, and when we have a guest, we record with another microphone, hopefully. And then I go through after we've recorded, and of course, I have to be able to take all the stuff on the road, which is also critical, and I edit out most of the mistakes. Try to leave a little bit of ambience in there just to make it sound normal. But we make quite a few mistakes, and as I tell all of our interviewees, don't worry about it. I'll we'll edit it out. Anything that you don't like, oh boy, there comes the champagne. Anything you don't like, we just uh, edit it out, and that's uh, a quite... A, 
quick and easy process. It takes me two to three hours per podcast to uh, to make the edits, which is interesting because the podcasts are rarely more than an hour. And I, so I spend three times as much time as it takes to record it, to edit it. And uh, while he's editing, he wears headphones to spare me having to listen to it all again. <laughs> and every so often he breaks out peals of laughter. And I try to think back, what, did, what was it that we talked about that was so funny? Just, but you always laugh while you edit. That's funny. a wonderful thing. Why. And I usually take out about 10 minutes of the original podcast. So just in round numbers, that's how much I edit it out. I add the intro and the outro um, and sometimes some special effects in there, which you've occasionally heard. That's after it has been edited. And then I use uh, GarageBand once again to save it as an MP3, which is the, the universal file format that you need to listen to uh, on your device, whatever you listen to when you download it. I then write the description, which is uh, the word-by-word uh, description of what uh, the podcast is about, uh, which is not the notes, uh, but it's a uh, Actually, I write two, a concise one and then a more uh, detailed one, which we use on the website. And then I create and upload an XML file for the aggregators. Whoa. Do you know what those words mean? Not not exactly. An XML is like a control file or a launching file, right? We'll start with aggregator. So is I that done t- by GarageBand too, the XML no, file? No, no. So you're using different software. Yeah, you have to have a, a specialized piece of software. I mean, you, you could write it yourself, but I don't know how to do that. So you have to have some way to tell the aggregators, iTunes or Spotify or Google or whoever you happen to send your podcast to, you have to have some way to tell them that there is a new episode. And so this is kind of, like you say, a control file which notifies all of the aggregators that there is a new episode ready to go. It contains not only the new episode but detailed information about where the file is located for all of the episodes that you have created. And that's called an XML file. So anybody who subscribes to the podcast immediately gets a new one when a new one is launched. So when I upload the XML file, your downloading service will then say, oh, there's a new XML file, let me go through it. It sees the new episode, and in the XML file it says, here's where that file is located, so that you then uh, can download it. Now notice that... I am the host, or my hosting service is the host for the actual podcast. The only thing that iTunes sees is the XML file. And so we pay for the downloading. We pay to host our our podcast. We pay for the uploading and downloading of all the services. And so that's that's an expense that you either have to amortize with advertising or pay it yourself for everybody to download it. So it's a very disparate sort of uh, system. Everybody hosts their own, and you download it from each individual service as specified in the XML file. Every so often you have trouble with a new podcast getting launched, and that's a problem with the XML file? Probably. Uh Almost always it's a problem with the XML file. If I go through and I put a capital in someplace where it shouldn't be, a capital letter, or you have a space or any sort of... It does what you say instead of what you mean. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so there can be some confusing factors. And I find this to be among the most confusing thing because I've never had to handle it before. So the XML creator is... uh, something that's a little bit quirky, but um, I seem to have it under control presently. 
we'll see for how long. And I have to say, over the years, as Wi-Fi has gotten more reliable, you've been able to do this more and more expeditiously, <laughs> even when we've been in the boonies somewhere, yeah. or wherever that means. I remember in Africa, we had... Yeah. Great adventure. Well, yeah. Trying to find a way to get it up there. Even though the podcast is usually about 25 megabytes, it still can be a challenge if you're in, in remote locations. So once the XML file is ready to go, then we upload that as well as the podcast itself, and then it's ready for listeners to listen to. You would rarely ever have access to the actual po- podcast file only through the XML file. So what you're reading when you look at the list of podcasts or the episodes or the descriptions is what I create in the XML file. So the episodes that we lost over the years were lost by our host? Well, they were, but that was a different issue because the XML file was okay, but it was pointing to files that weren't there. Weren't there. Mm-hmm. So that can happen too. So if you get a the file can't be found or something, that's because the XML file is not pointing to the right file. And in this case, the files were gone. We don't have any idea what happened to them. So that's, uh, oh, I need some champagne. You've been talking a lot. Have you been asking questions? I have. Okay. So as we thought about the last 15 years, yeah. we also thought about how we listened to podcasts back yes. in the day. And Ken still owns the original iPod Which I have right here. that we bought for $399. <coughs> we, who bought? You bought. Uh-huh. Back when a dollar was worth a dollar. <laughs> She talks like she did this. Well, I had one. Did you have an iPod? Yes. Really? Yes. And, of course, iPod was the name that Apple gave this product, their music listener that they gave to their product. So podcasts are a derivation of that name. Mm-hmm. That so when sense. You, yeah. So you were designated to listen to these uh, radio programs, uh, audio radio programs, on a iPod, and they became known as podcasts because they were not broadcast because broadcast comes over the air on a radio. So, what do you call these radio shows that are on the internet? You call them podcasts. And in those days, the other things that I remember listening to were, as you just said, radio shows that they had prepared to be on the web to be downloaded whenever you wanted to listen to them. And so there wasn't much original content. No, the first ones I listened to were Prairie Home Companion and National Public Radio shows. National Public Radio shows. So in June of 2005, which is just before we started our podcast, Apple added podcasting to its iTunes Music software and building a directory of podcasts that its iTunes Music store. The new iTunes could subscribe to, download, and organize podcasts, which made separate aggregator applications unnecessary for many users. Apple also promoted creation of podcasts using its GarageBand and QuickTime Pro software. Prior to iTunes, seamless integration, acquiring, and organizing podcasts required dedicated podcasting software that was often clunky and intimidating for the average user. So I have a whole article about this, which I will give uh, a link to in the episode uh, webpage. For but, people interested in ancient history. But the interesting thing is is that this little device that was primarily a music listening tool actually allowed you to organize your podcast. And so like all of our podcasts will be in one folder and you can listen to any episode that you want to and you can then have a bunch of folders so 
there was no such thing as streaming. So at the time when I started this, you had to download each episode and you could listen to it then on the device and you had to delete it off the device. These days, of course, with high-speed internet and streaming, you don't have to download anything. You can just listen to it live or as it streams and you will be uh, in good shape and you don't have to have a large hard drive. But my first iPod was five gigabytes. Oh my God. It held a thousand songs. And, and of course was, songs are only three or four minutes. It was such a luxury to have them on a oh, little yes. cigarette packet sized device. And it cost three ninety nine. It was capable of holding a thousand songs in a hundred and sixty KBS um, MP3 format. And it had a FireWire port, and I was trying to get my iPod, my I still have it, my old iPod to work. Of course, the battery won't hold any power, but I had a hard time finding a FireWire port to plug it into because that was the way you transferred the data. It had a 3.5-millimeter headphone jack, which was cool, and is still in operation today. We still use that same 35 millimeter headphone jack on virtually all the headphones unless you have wireless ones and of course the apple started the white headphones up until well, the time that a lot of stuff. oh was yes black then, everybody knows you had apple because they were white, they were white. Mm-hmm. and oh, headphones are, <gasps> we're refilling the glasses keep talking oh, <laughs> she just gets to drink and i have to talk mm-hmm. this is not oh it's going to overflow. It had an iBook white case and a stainless steel back with a two-inch white backlit LCD display. Now, this was a black and white low-resolution uh, display, which I can just see because it comes on uh, and then it goes off. The battery life is an estimated ten, uh, about 10 hours. Wow. It was fun to get it out and look at it. I actually have a first generation and a second generation. The second generation is substantially smaller. But the first generation, uh, I wonder how much it's worth. We'll go to... Some museum. <laughs> it's dismaying when we go to museums these days and see stuff that we used when we were young. And we're standing there ourselves. <laughs> I still have an iPod. Um, just now and again, I make a phone call with it. Well, and of course, it's transitioned to the phones. And, and, and But we didn't. The, the iPhone wasn't introduced until no. 2007. No. So, um, we had flip phones. That's what, what I had. I had a flip phone then. Yeah, we both did, yeah. I think, because that's all that was really available. The smartphone was just not uh, feasible. And now we have one device, which is about the same price. Well, let's see, three ninety nine. You can buy an iPad for that, and uh, which does so much more than the original iPod. I must spend out three hundred ninety nine dollars. Yeah, I don't 400 know. Four hundred bucks. Inflation on a, hasn't on a, been as bad as it was while we were working. Oh, boy, that's expensive. It's, yeah. In two thousand six, I was using an eight megapixel camera a Canon 20D, and you were using the PowerShot SD700, which was a (laughs) 6-megapixel camera. So we've had a lot of uh, developments in the photography area, too. How about your GPS? Um, When did we get that first one? Our first GPS? Yeah. Well, when I retired in 2002, I got a gift certificate for Best Buy or someplace, and I bought a GPS. It was black black and white screen and I couldn't download all of the maps for the Chicagoland area 
So I could download the maps for like a third of the Chicagoland area, but if I wanted to go to another area, I had to download and install into the GPS the maps. Certainly the technology that we have added over the years has made traveling so much easier. Ken wrinkles his nose when he sees me take out a paper map, which I used then and I still use now. But having the GPS that tells you where to go, how to go, what lane to be in, how long it's going to take, has been such a valuable thing to have. I have a vivid memory of a time when we were in Quartzite in the middle of the desert and Ken needed something that we could only buy at Best Buy, which was in Yuma, 90 miles away from where we were, and he could go on the internet with our satellite dish and check the inventory at Best Buy to make sure they had it. And then we set the GPS, and it took us there. Yeah. And I was just in seventh heaven because it made everything so easy. Right. And we had satellite Internet for years and years. Uh, actually, before the podcast, we had it installed in Quartzsite uh, on our fifth wheel. It was slow, but it was... Uh, internet and it was a satellite dish that was two-way so to have internet you have to be able to broadcast up and receive down we got rid of that a few years ago in favor of uh, cell phone service because cell phones have become so much faster and of course i expect in the next few years stay tuned ladies and gentlemen because you'll have an update from the rv navigators as they move into the future with starlink starlink has just introduced their new satellite dish are you uh, thinking about getting that <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> she asks innocently. <laughs> I'm thinking about getting it. And well, of course, cell services. It, well, well, so. Now you have to understand. I spent, or we, sp <coughs> we <You> spent, spent. <laughs> we spent uh, over five thousand dollars just for the automatic dish. We had the dish shipped to our home because oh, right. we didn't want to pay sales tax in Arizona, and we brought it to Arizona ourselves. That's right. We to had it sitting in the, in the motorhome. That's we, right. We or in the, in the yeah. fifth wheel. Big buckaroos. Big buckaroos. And then we had to move to the motorhome when we did that. But we spent five thousand dollars for that, and Elon Musk is now charging five hundred dollars for the Starlink service, and of course it's dramatically faster and much more viable, but uh, it's not quite ready for mobile service yet. So uh, there, we're talking about though uh, less than 18 months and we will have the capability for a mobile service on uh, Starlink as soon as he gets enough satellites and stuff up there. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, but it's not really ready for mobile use just yet. Mobile, I don't know if it'll ever be ready for moving. Although he's talking about having it on ships. I don't know. I'm sure it'll come. It's just how soon. There have been lots of advances, and we just don't have time to talk about all of them. But it's an interesting 15 years, and, and we've had a good time trying out all the stuff that we have tried. And, and telling you whether we liked it or not. Right. And, of course, we want you to go back and listen to the very best episodes that we've had. And so what we have done now is we have picked out one episode or so... <laughs> sometimes two, uh, of every year so that you can catch up on the RV Navigators if you have not gone back and listened to uh, more of the episodes than you care to. You can go back and listen to just one every year and kind of get a flavor of what the RV Navigator has been about for the last 15 years. 
Most of our choices have been traveling podcasts as opposed to stationary ones, well, um, and most of them are RVing ones, as befits the purpose of this podcast. And going back and listening, we have done some fabulous things. We'll start off with 2006. Actually, right after the first, within a couple months of the first episode, our first adventure was a five-week adventure in South Africa where we drove a rented motorhome in a caravan we went with a group of people that were all RVers, and we saw the scenic beauty of South Africa. <laughs> and we had monkeys in our trailer by mistake in our RV. We had elephants outside. We ate lunch with the elephants. We saw lions. We saw just all the animals of South Africa. It was a fabulous experience. And South Africa is in of itself a very beautiful country, scenically beautiful. We hope to go again. Yeah, we have plans to go again. But if you're looking for an interesting safari and you don't mind driving on the left with a stick shift motorhome, then it was, take a, ni- some it was a nice way to do it. Very nice way. At our own pace. And we spent five weeks. So that's 2006, if you want to go back and listen to that. 2007, the Arvigan oh, Navigators on a 44 day car- caravan to. Eastern Mexico, including the Yucatan. Uh-huh. That's the second caravan that we took to Mexico. Yeah. Well, we did the earlier one. We did the... the before we were podcasting. Before we were podcasting. But I have a blog about it. Of course. 2005. So this was uh, up the Yucatan. So we drove to Cancun. We drove to, to Merida. We went to Cozumel. Yucatan. All of those things uh, on the RV. And the satellite dish worked well there, I think. We were surprised. So that's 2007. Oops, we have another 2007, episode 16. Episode 16 was about when we switched between a fifth-wheel trailer, which we raved about in our introduction, which you just heard, and our first diesel pusher motorhome. Uh, we had a lot of doubts and questions about making the switch, and this is a question that every RVer contemplates, what kind of rig is best for me. So here you can hear us mulling it over and making the decision to go to a motorhome. Quite frankly, we've never looked back. We have never looked back. We bought a 2004 used Numar Dutch Star, and we were very pleased with the decision, but the decision was a hard one to make because we really enjoyed our fifth wheel. But we have had a Class A ever since, and it's not been any question about uh, that it was the right decision. 2008... October, episode 32. This is when we went to New England, right? Yes. And our purpose was to see the fall colors. Yes. Although we spent a lot of time in Maine, which didn't have any fall colors yet, eating lobsters. And that's where we met Jeff and Ellen the first time. Yes, it is. So if you are interested in that part of the world, especially during the fall color time when things might be a little bit more congested, uh, you might want to listen to episode 32. In 2008. That was a great trip. Uh, we, d- we did this all by ourselves, but we met some good people along the way, and we saw some great attractions, and I got some fabulous pictures uh, everywhere along the way. 2009, episode 37. Another RV trip down under, this Ooh. time in New Zealand. Uh, we spent a month driving ourselves around. Again, left-hand drive, manual transmission. And even though New Zealand is no bigger than California, spending a month there was not enough. What a fabulous country. Yes, uh, New Zealand is kind of like the United States uh, shrunk down. It has all the attractions, and it's within uh, just a day's drive of each other. Notice that we did not do RVing in Australia. 
It's too darn big. And that's why. We did do a cruise that circumnavigates Australia, and that was a fun uh, trip that's, also. That's probably the next podcast. But if you're looking to do Australia in an RV, you might might want to think twice about it. I don't... <laughs> Sorry, Al. Uh, they live there, and they can spend the time. But for us to drive over there, rent an RV, put on too many miles on those guys. And I notice here that I also mentioned that we have over 1,600 downloads per month. At that time. At that time. Uh, I should mention that our high that I know about was over 40,000. Wow. And that happened when we were on the Sunday, on the Sunday morning, CBS morning. Sunday morning. We were on Sunday morning. Interviewed by David Pogue. And that boosted our downloads to over 40,000 for a couple of months. Obviously, people were not as enamored with it. <laughs> Time for some more champagne. Well, it, it, we talk about what we talk about. If it's not interesting to you. If you're not an RVer, you're probably not too interested. And these days, there's so many podcast choices. There are yes. only 24 hours in a day. It frustrates me, too. Are you pouring? That's bad news. They have too many choices. Every famous person has a podcast, and so we're competing with them. But now the podcasts have the downloads. Of course, I don't have any idea how many listeners we have. Uh-huh. Because you I can tell. only tell how many downloads we get. Or maybe, you know, two people listen per download. Who knows? Um, we make this podcast as an audio-only podcast primarily so that you can listen to us as you drive down the road. And we hope that we can keep you company. We've mentioned that many times, but that's really our goal. We've decided not to go with video. But 1,600 downloads uh, in 2009 is not that many. We've kind of stabilized uh, right now between eight and 10,000 downloads a month. And we're always amazed that people that I get downloads from episode one, I get downloads from episode 50, I get downloads from episode 100. Every month there are people who are downloading prior episodes. So if you're looking at some episodes to download, uh, we're giving you some good choices here. The next one is the Calgary Stampede. We did this as a rally with Fantasy RV. They did a super job and are still in business. If you want to investigate if they're still doing this, I don't know. Yes. Uh, They put us in downtown Calgary at a sports stadium. I remember we camped on asphalt and gave us a booklet of metro tickets so we could go back and forth to the stampede as often as we wanted and did we ever want to we went to everything twice it was such a good show yes so uh, wholesome uh all the things that animals could do and working with people i strongly recommend it yes uh the calgary stampede and many people uh, then head to alaska from there because they offer that same sort of thing and you're halfway to alaska when you're in calgary when you're in calgary next episode 2010 We've moved right along here. On the road far away. This is when we went to Great Britain, in particular to Cornwall, right? Yes. And, oh. and cruised. Cruised back. Was this one of our first cruising on steroid podcasts? Could I don't been, know. Could have been. We've been cruising. We cruise at least once a year, so we've had podcasts from lots of different cruises. 2011 was when we enjoyed the Mardi Gras, also with a caravan group. I think this was Adventure Travel. This was one Travel. of our best uh, rally caravans. If you have not gone to New Orleans for Mardi Gras and spent a good 10 days there, you have no idea what Mardi Gras is about. It's, it's not a very a- family-friendly, wholesome activity, not a lot of bare boobs and flashing <gasps> <your> beads. <laughs> so much fun, so much tradition, wonderful food. Do it. 
And doing it with the caravan, we had uh, one guide who took us around for the entire t- 10 days or however long we were there. So he knew every day that, you know, he built upon what we learned the pre- prior days. Unlike many tours where you go and you get a different guide every day, we had one guy who took us around. And so, and he built the, the itinerary to give us a broad spectrum of what Mardi Gras is really about. And we found out that Mardi Gras is a family event, as Martha just said, and it's also uh, over the full 10 days. Mardi Gras is not just Bourbon Street. Bourbon Street is tourism. Bourbon Street is for the outsiders. He took us to neighborhoods where they have parades almost every day uh, during the Mardi Gras season which were uh, local high school bands, local people, and the whole thing is not organized centrally. It's all decentralized. So they they have groups of people who are building these floats, who are manning the bands, and it's all paid for by local people to entertain themselves. And you go to the neighborhood parades, and it's all the local neighborhood people coming out to watch the the parades. It's fabulous. New Orleans itself has uh, kind of a, a dirty reputation, but we found it to be a fabulous city to visit. And I would strongly recommend that you go and and spend an extended period of time at Mardi Gras doing these, taking the tours. Seeing it all. Seeing it all, right. In 2012, how could we have chosen anything else? Episode 83. But our trip to Alaska with Jeff and Ellen, this is a goal for many RVers. We often get the question about whether you should go on a caravan or not. We can certainly understand the question because you worry a bit when you go to Alaska about breakdowns. But we have done that drive twice and never broken down anything that couldn't be fixed along the way. Uh, And we really encourage you, if you've got the time, to do it on your own and spend the time seeing all the things that there are to see, waiting for the bad weather to clear when you encounter that, because you doubtless will. Uh, that is definitely a place you've got to put on your must-see list. And I think people always ask us, where is the one place you would RV? And I think it's definitely Alaska. Alaska is RV heaven because you can boondock lots and lots of places. People are full of the can-do attitude so that if you have a problem, like your slide won't come out, somebody will be there to fix it. And they can help you take care of uh, any problems that you have. Alaska's roads are really in pretty good shape. Two times we've been there, we haven't had any chips in the windshield. We haven't had any real breakdowns. The roads are basically paved. Um, So I, I just don't see any reason not to go to Alaska unless you don't have enough time. And we left in May and came back in September. And I, if you're going to drive all that way, you have to understand that Seattle for us is only halfway. <laughs> so, And I would say in that time period, we pretty much saw it all, as much as weather would allow. We went to Prudhoe Bay. We went to Sitka. We went to the Katmai. We, yes, we did most everything that you can do in Alaska. And again, I'll mention my blog if you want to get an idea yes. of how long it took us and all the places that we stopped. I took notes every day. I would love to go back. 2013, we're coming along here, episode 104. Definitely not an RV trip was our podcast where we went to India. I think India is a country that scares Americans. You hear about the dirt, you hear about the illness and pollution. Yes, those things are there, but what a fascinating country. 
I have never been anywhere that where the United States was so unimportant. People asked us if we liked Obama, who was president at that time, and we asked them how they thought about him, and they didn't know anything about him, which is as it should be. We spent seven weeks in India. And hardly scratched the surface. And there's lots more to see and do, and we would love We've actually been back a couple more times since then, but uh, that's a, a great trip. 2014, episode 113. The Midwest is often overlooked as being flat and boring, and basically that's true, but we sure did love our trip to Oshkosh in the RV to see the air show. why do you go to Oshkosh? See the air show. Air show, right. And the thing that's so nice about this trip, you don't have to do a lot of planning ahead of time because their philosophy is they've got lots of grass, <laughs> and if you show up, they'll show you a plot of grass, and that's where you'll park. They do have camping with with hookups, uh, but most people just go there and boondock. And for the three or four days that you might need to do that, uh, that's actually quite feasible. It's one of the first times we boondocked in our Oh, this was in our new motorhome, and uh, because it was all electric, we were testing out uh, the electrical systems and how long we could go, and we did boondock there without any trouble for the the five or so days that we were there. 4,000 campers temporarily at at, uh, the camp there, and the Oshkosh air show is just uh, very interesting, and uh, lots of little planes and air shows and you can get up close and personal yeah. with the pilots. We know very little about aviation, but we really enjoyed being there, and we think you would, too. It's a lot like the Balloon Festival that we were just at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 2015, episode 124. This is another caravan that we took to the Canadian Maritimes. That's the eastern coast of Canada. Beautiful scenery, wonderful people. A little bit difficult to do on your own because you're focusing on... Newfoundland, which is an island, yes. and you have to get your RV over there and back off of it. And planning how to do that on your own is certainly feasible, but if you're lazy like we were, you do it with a caravan group. <laughs> and uh, we have such fond memories of doing that. You, that needs to be on your list as well. 2017, episode 143, Inside Cuba. Boy, are we glad we went there. Even though it's not an RV trip, it was a brief window of opportunity when Americans were free to go there and move around. And it's hard to believe that someplace so different from the rest of the United States is sharing the hemisphere with us. We hope that it opens up totally again so that you can go there as well. 2018, episode 158, Back from the Outback. When we first went to Australia, we took a cruise around it, and so we missed the middle, Ayers Rock in particular, Uluru, Uluru. to be specific, Alice Springs. (laughs) Have some more champagne. So we went back. (laughs) I said that right. You did, but I didn't. (laughs) So we went back and saw the middle. Fascinating trip. Wonderful people. Do it. Another trip that has been on our list since we married each other has been (laughs) Israel. And we kept waiting, waiting, waiting for Israel to be calm and war-free. And actually, we've tried to go three or four times. And we decided it will never be calm and it will never be war-free and you just got to go. And we're so glad that we did. And we added a week in Palestine there, which was fascinating, too. To get the other side of the story. To get real perspective. That was 2019. 2020. I had no favorite podcasts from that year. That's a year I'd rather forget. But you put in... The Tampa Super Show. Sure. Always worthwhile to go and see. If What's you, new? The, this is one of the largest uh, RV shows in the country. And if you are looking to buy 
pieces and bits and and or a new RV, this is the place to go. In January, <clears throat> they had it even in 2020. The Super Show, though, is uh, is something that RVers should attend at least once. The Hershey Show is good. The Quartzite Show is pretty good, but I think the Tampa Super Show is the best. The most complete. Yes. And to end off... This year... Why did you pick the wolf attack? Because it was so funny. Because everybody mentions it. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, we did the balloon festival. We did 31 days around uh, the national parks in Utah and out uh, out west. And that was a great trip. We had good times, great pictures. And we had the wolf attack, which you can listen to in episode 198. <sighs> We've traded on that wolf attack story more than once. When we went to Winter Garden to pick up our new slide motor, we told the guy the story. Look, and I he, only got half a glass. And he was so pleased. Yours is foamy. And he was so pleased he gave us a free doodad in case another wolf attacks us so that that's, we can yeah, get going right. once that's again. Right. I forgot about that. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, that's the summary of... The last 15 years of the RV Navigator podcast. As best we can and remember. And is a prelude to the next 15 years of the RV Navigator podcast. We are getting ready to broadcast again, and we will do our famous... Traditional. Traditional. New Year's show. New Year's champagne show, which will also have... Champagne. Oh, clinking, we did better. Clinking of the glasses uh, as January starts. Sorry, we didn't have time to talk about presents. But Christmas is coming up. There's no, there are no presents. The supply chain is totally screwed up. You can't buy anything anyway. No presents. But we got champagne thanks to uh, listeners. To our new we neighbors. We can only afford champagne once a year. To new neighbors. For the podcast. Yes. To our new neighbors. So once again, we thank you for listening. We wish you good health, happy travels, and we hope that you stick with us in... The new the year. to come. No, this is not the end of the year yet. Ah, okay. Well, it will be soon. <laughs> Happy travels. Happy travels.